This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. We are back, five on three, returning from quarantine. Mike Messina joins me. I'm Chris Hennessy. We are here on the second day of round two of the NHL playoffs. The Islanders still in. The Rangers get lucky despite their elimination and a lot more to talk about. But, Mike, uh, how are things? Not bad, man. I moved back home, back to my mom's house upstate. So just been staying here. Really excited for the second round of playoffs. The first round was awesome. Didn't plan out how the Rangers liked it, losing three in a row. So hopefully, but with the lottery with Alex Lafayette now, hopefully coming there, we can get a get a dynasty coming. Let's see where that brings us. Yeah, a lot, lot to talk about in the bubble. The bubble has been really surprisingly good, I think. I think when it started out, I at least was a little bit skeptical, like, you know, hockey in July, hockey in August. Mm-hmm. How's that going to work out? It's been fantastic. Uh, so let's get started with the Islanders. They started out the qualifying round. They beat Florida in four games, and then they come and play Barry Trotz's old team in the Capitals, and they just they bullied them on defense, man. Five games, they just dominated them to, to sweep Crosby last year, to beat Ovechkin in five games this year. It's outstanding, and, and now they're play, facing the Flyers in the second round, which is going to be just as tough of a matchup. This is the Barry Trotz revenge tour that everyone knew was coming, that everyone wanted. So I'm excited to see where it goes. But that Florida series was really like the start of something special for the Islanders this playoffs. Bailey, Bovillier, and Brock Nelson were like the leading candidates for line mates. They played great that series. And those three were really the guys who got them going and really gave the team all the energy they had. Yeah, Bailey and Bovillier have been outstanding. Bovillier has six goals in nine games, nine points. Bailey has 10 points. They, they've just been absolutely outstanding. I mean, don't get me wrong. Barzal's been good, too. And, of course, with Barry Trust, the defense has just been uh, – defense has been outstanding. Barlamov has been exceptional. The fact that Grice is – you know, he's fully healthy, but he's sitting on the bench as Barlamov just dominates all these other teams. His former team, too, as well, the Capitals. It's been really fun to watch. And it's a team who, if you remember back the last time we recorded this podcast, they were really – they had lost a lot of games in a row. They la- they lost the last game they played at the Coliseum to Carolina in overtime. Then they went out to Vancouver and they lost that game. And that was the last game before the quarantine. And they were not good. That is just they were not a good team. They weren't scoring. They weren't playing defense. The goaltending was struggling. And then they go they away. Like two, two and seven or something like that. That's just yeah, it was like they were like two seven and one in their last ten game. They were not good. And it I mean it hit the perfect time for the Islanders. It, that team that ended on, on March 10th, March 12th, whatever it was, was not going to get as far as the team that is now. And the bubble has treated them very, very well. I think the bubble has exceeded everybody's expectations along the lines of safety. There's been zero positive tests, so that's obviously a plus. But just the atmosphere in general, it still feels like there's fans. The crowd noise really works. The announcers are make, doing the best they can, too, to make the game interesting since there's no fans. But I think everything's working perfectly. And the energy that comes off, like comes from the stadium as well, really works out. I really like yeah, how this is going. It's been surprisingly fun to watch. Like I thought that, you know, it was just going to feel like a giant preseason game. And now not everybody agrees with us, though, Mike. You have Tuka Rask who says, this isn't the playoffs. This is ridiculous. And just leave the team. Ten, ten minutes before the start of the game? What was I mean, that's that one of the craziest things I've ever heard. He's just this, he's this great goalie, borderline all-famer, Stanley Cup champion, been on the team forever and ever and ever. 
and the guy just picks up and leaves before the playoff game. Funny thing, from, I, I, was, I was in Boston to watch that game with some of my buddies from the Marines, and when that news dropped, I've never seen more pissed off people that ten minutes before the game, their goalie just leaves. They were all so mad. It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that is that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. It was hilarious. Picked, picked up and left. That was that was wild. But you know, circling back to the Islanders, they got. They are, without a doubt, the, four, the least talented team remaining in the Eastern Conference. you got Boston, you got Tampa, you got Philadelphia. Those are three really, really solid teams. But you have to think they're the most well-coached. And within the bubble, it seems like Trotz has just kind of figured out a way to bring them all together. And just like he did last year in the playoffs when they played Pittsburgh, to just trust in the process and trust in him to carry them through the playoffs farther than they've been since, you know, the 80s. And the past two years is the most success the Islanders have had literally in 20 years. So Barry, if they, even if they lose this series, Barry Trotz, Barry is, Trotz is the answer going forward. The answer going forward. He will be there for their mind. And I'm concerned. I don't know, even know when his contract comes up. I don't think his contract was like released. I have no idea. So I think it was. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that is um, rectified as he's not going to leave, but you never know. Um, speaking of, Barry Trotz and leaving. We had Todd Reardon get fired today from Washington. They don't win a playoff series two years in a row, but they have a well, well over 500 record. Ovechkin's playing great. Holpe is struggling, but they also have Sam Sonov. So the goaltending has been just okay. A lot of just odd things have happened in Washington in the last two years, losing in that seventh game and double overtime to Carolina last year, losing in five to the Islanders this year. Todd Reardon gets fired. And Which I was expected. I don't think I was not expecting that this morning. No, I was reading a lot where people were saying that this is that 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 was his last game there because of the last two seasons at. Yeah, it's very interesting though because you have to think that there's a lot of regret filling that building that they did not uh, pay the man who brought them their first Stanley Cup. Oh, a hundred percent. And all of all of Ovechkin's coaches throughout the year have either been a first time NHL head coach or a second year. NH- or second time NHL coach, but like for Barry Trotz, he was in Nashville, so I guess you can't really count him. But they're gonna bring in someone young, and like because they don't want they don't want to pay any veteran coach, any old coach. They're gonna go young, and they're gonna try and restart with the younger coaches and go from there. And it's interesting because throughout the entirety of Ovechkin's career, right, they've brought in new coach after new coach. It was Dale Hunter, it was Adam Oates, it was this guy, it was that guy, and then they finally brought the proven coach who had taken Nashville literally from nothing, quite literally. There were no players. In the playoffs every year. And I mean, they obviously teetered off and he got fired, but they brought him in and they won a Stanley Cup. And the hiring of Todd Reardon was not a bad idea. He was Trotz's assistant. Maybe he's learned some things. They were well over 500. But at this point, no veteran's career, you have to prioritize playoff success. So I understand why it happened, but I think I definitely was surprised this morning when that dropped that he was fired. You have to. I think they're going to go more of a veteran route. Peter Laviolette, ironically enough, the coach of Nashville last year, is available. That seems like an interesting fit. Mike Babcock, obviously available, but with everything that happened. You think they're going more the veteran route? I'm sorry? You think they're going more the veteran route? I think you almost have to. I think after what you've seen throughout Ovechkin's career, it's worked one time, and it was with the guy who coached for 16 years. So you have to go with one of those proven guys if you really want to prioritize playoff success or less or else you're just going to fall back to where you were in the Bruce after Bruce Boudreaux left 
which is just firing a guy every two years because they don't win the playoffs. I think it really depends on what they're going to be asking for, you know, because that, that's going to play a big picture for the Capitals as well. They want to, I think they want to stay cheap. And I think uh, coach like Laviolette is going to want some money. So we'll, we'll have to see where Absolutely that goes. Is. Absolutely. Is. So that'll be very, very interesting to see how that works out. Um, let's move on to, you mentioned the New York Rangers. They lose in three games to Carolina in the qualifiers. Upsetting because they didn't play very well, but it was never their year to begin with. So you couldn't have been that upset about it. What do you expect from a team that scores has 12 playoff points? Like you, you weren't, you can't win a game. You can't win a series with 12 points in a series. Like Chris Kreider, two points, Panarin, two points. Those are two of our best, two, probably our top two players. They're both left wingers, left wingers and need to score points. One goal, one assist for each one. That's not, not what you need, but we kind of expected that coming in. Yeah. I think that, Anything more than advancing to the round of 16 would have been exceptional, but they get eliminated in the qualifying round. They didn't look good, but oh, well, you move on because they were probably weren't going to make the playoffs if the season went on as it was normally going to, but it's the next week after that, that a rate that completely erases what happened to Carolina, which is the draft lottery in a very weird way. They did it. I don't love the way they did it. It's not just because the Rangers won. I don't love the way they did it, but they did it this way where they did a draft lottery before the playoffs started. And the team that the team I put in air quotes that won was just one of the losers of the qualifying round. So every loser had a 12 and a half percent chance to land Alexis Lafreniere. And that honor goes to the New York Rangers. So when the draft happens at the end of September, they will get the star 18 year old left winger from Quebec it's something no doubt to be excited about. It's the second year in a row they have absolutely dominated the draft lottery. If you think last year they got Kako second overall, this year they get Lafreniere first, or presumably Lafreniere first overall. And there will be some reorganizing. There will be some line shifting when he gets there. But with Kako in his second year, with Lafreniere as a rookie, and with Panarin and Zibanejad together for their second year, working together, and Shesterkin with a half a year of the NHL under his belt, the Rangers are going to be a team to watch next year. 100%. Let's go back to the, the series first. How, what do you think about Lundqvist getting the start over Igor for the first two games? Is that well, – the first game, it was, play, so, but... it was so weird because they're going to start the playoffs. It was the first game of the playoffs with Rangers Hurricanes. They're going to start the playoffs. Like, we're going to play hockey. Like, let's play some hockey. Then 20 minutes before the game starts, it's Shesterkin is unable to play. And – our friend Jack Caldwell just texts me and goes like, what, what the heck? Like, what is going on? Like, I don't just unfit to play. That's all we got. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and <clears throat> it, Jack was afraid that it was Corona, which it couldn't have been because they would have to say it. Yeah. But that was his first thought. My first thought is my first thought was the car accident. I don't know what your first thought was. This was something re- relapsed when you get, or if, if you're Excuse me. If you remember, late February, he got into a car accident and was slightly injured, missed a couple of games. But he didn't have corona. He came back for the third game and they lost. But it was just weird that they didn't say what it was. Don't get but me wrong. There's been, a, there's been a trend, though, now in the bubble. Teams just aren't saying what the injury is. Like, I guess, why would they, you know? I don't know. It's just it, – but the first time it happened, it was definitely very weird. 
And you, I guess as a Ranger fan, I mean, he played okay in game three. You just have to hope that he's healthy for, for I almost said September, like the beginning of the season, whenever the season begins, whether it's October or November, I have to just hope he's healthy, healthy for that. Don't get me wrong. Lundqvist played great in game one. Game one was not the issue. Game two, he let up, I think, two goals it was that were questionable and definitely savable. But I yeah. still think Igor should have gotten the start in both games if, in fact, he was fit to play and it just wasn't. It just doesn't sound like he was healthy. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, is all that matters. So, I don't know. It was, it was definitely weird. But as long as he's healthy when the season starts, it doesn't matter. They got their guy at first overall at the end of September. Yep. They'll be well on their way uh, to some good stuff coming up uh, next season. Let's talk about the rest of the series. We talked about the Islanders. They beat the Panthers. They crush the Capitals. They move on to play, play the Flyers. Flyers are really interesting to me because they were not the number one team coming out of the quarantine in the Eastern Conference. They were top four, and they got into the round robin to play to get the number one seed, and they swept it. And then they lost a couple games to the Canadiens, who were very hot. They beat Pittsburgh, which is a, a great qualifying series. But Philly is really, really hot, and that's on the shoulders of a young goalie as well, Carter Hart. And for the Islanders, who aren't a great offensive team, that's going to be something they're going to have to watch is how good Philadelphia has been, especially in that. No, I agree. I actually have the Flyers winning the Stanley Cup. So, uh, yeah, so I'm sure you're not happy to hear that. But I think they're going to beat the Islanders. But Jacob Voracek, man, he has been playing phenomenal. He has eight points, four goals, four assists. He is seeing the ice very well out there, passing to his teammates, getting those good cross-ice passes that you want to. I've been watching Voracek play. Every time he's on the ice, he is very good right now. He just sees something that's right in front he, had, of him. He, had, he struggled a little bit during this. He had 44 assists, but only 12 goals during the regular season. But he has really picked it up in the, in the quarantine – or in the bubble, excuse me. And your boy, A.V., he's been doing very well with that team. And mm-hmm. – they're, they're just a fun team to watch. And even though they lost those two games to Montreal, that was a very tightly wound series. There was a lot of bickering back and forth between the coaches, which was weird. But it was it's all just been a lot of fun uh, to watch that team. And it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Islanders because their offense throughout the two Barry Trotz years has not been their strong suit. It's been their defense. So it's going to be low scoring and close checking. They're going to have to rely on Marlamov and maybe Thomas Grice, probably not, but maybe Thomas Grice uh, to get them through this series if they want to advance. Um, I'm going to say the Islanders are going to win. Yeah, I, of course they're going. I am, and that's I just have to have a little bit of faith uh, that they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 1993. I think it's going to be a good series, though, for sure. And you're going to pick the Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. If this is a seven-game series, man, I'm not going to have any fingernails left. This is going to be a tight, tight, tight series. The Flyers are not here without Carter Hart, though. No, he, absolutely not. He, he is the main reason that they're in the position they are. He has been absolutely exceptional. Uh, the winner of that series is going to play the winner of uh, a high-flying matchup. It's, it's Boston, it's Tampa. Two teams who are, are used to each other, they play each other in the division. They haven't faced each other, <clears throat> excuse me, they haven't chased, faced each other in the playoffs a lot. Yeah, Yaroslav Halak in the net for the Bruins, as we mentioned before. That, for me, leans it towards Tampa, who played very well against Columbus. Yeah, the Tampa-Columbus series was absolutely phenomenal to watch. I thought Columbus was going to have 
a bounce back game in, I think it was game four, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but it was a great series. They played so hard. They played with grit and heart. And I love Tortorella, man. He, he's he's uh, not a fan, uh, not a media favorite guy, but the way he coaches the teams, the way he coaches the Rangers, it's just amazing to watch. And I, I really wish the Blue Jackets won that series, I'll tell you. Well, that was the series with the five overtimes, too. That was the one game where it was weird without fans for me. Oh, yeah. Because right. <laughs> if you were in attendance for that game, everyone would have just been going absolutely crazy. I think it would have been like the ultimate psychology test. Like, who could physically sit there for two and a half hockey games? Like, who had the guts to sit there for, what, what would that be, eight periods of hockey? Like, an unbelievable game to watch in front of fans. It was crazy to me that the Bruins game got moved to the next morning. That was, that was the funniest part. When they just they, came they, had the to, they had no option. Yeah. They, then they came on the air, and they're like, okay, so uh, Bruins fans, we'll see you at 11 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> because, like, I, I, I don't know. That, that was a crazy game. But the Lightning looked good. The Bruins, who played the Hurricanes, they beat them in five games. They also looked very good. But, again, without Tugarask, it really leads me to believe that Tampa Bay is going to win this series. I do – have Tim, I do think that Tampa Bay is finally going to win their Stanley Cup. They've been right on the edge for a couple of years now. Um, so that's, that's the team I'm picking to go all the way. But it's going to be a really close series. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That, that series has an unbelievable amount of talent offensively and defensively too, but offensively. I mean, you between Bergeron and Pasternak and Kucherov and Stamkos, it's just going to be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Charlie McAvoy's been playing well. A lot of the young guys have been playing well, too. Charlie Coyle has been playing well. Only three points, but he's moving the puck well, being a great team player. Always sticking up for his teammates, too. Absolutely. So, so those are the Eastern Conference side, second round series. On the Western Conference side, there was one that started last night, Dallas, Colorado. This one, this game one was a lot of fun. Dallas took that one. But this, this series is going to be a lot of fun, man. These are two teams who – Dallas – Dallas is a really weird team. Like sometimes they score a lot of goals and sometimes they don't score any goals. Colorado's got some of the best offensive players in the league. Now there's an injury. Uh, Grubauer is hurt. So Francois is going to play the entire series for Colorado. How is that going to impact it? Just a lot, a lot of storylines in this series, you know, some late night primetime hockey, Dallas and Colorado from Edmonton should be a lot of fun to watch Dallas with an early lead. And then they play uh, tomorrow night, the late shift, the late shift of the, um, the doubleheader after the Islanders in game two for me i'm gonna pick colorado because i think that nate mckinnon is the best player left in this bubble he's been he's so 16 points leading the league he's leading the bubble with 16 points um i'll just sidetrack for a second he's leading the bubble with 16 points but if i had to give you a guess on who's leading the bubble who led the bubble already eliminated in points per game Connor McDavid had nine points in four games. He had nine points in four games when they lost. It is such a tragedy that we'll probably never see Connor McDavid win a Stanley Cup. It's unbelievable. Four goals and five, five goals and four assists, nine points in four games. He was only a plus one. That's two and a quarter points per game. He had, he scored a game winning goal. Three of his goals were on the power play. It's just, he's, he is at a, He's so the NHL's here. McDavid's right here above he's it. He's so, so good at hockey. Anyways, that's, that's besides the point. Yeah. Tom, Nate McKinnon, most likely the best player left in this bubble. 16 points through nine games. Ten of them have been assists. He, he's been exceptional on Colorado. 
Francois is a solid goalie. That's, you know, Grubauer is better, obviously, but that's not the end-all be-all for the series. Dallas takes game one, but the rest of the series should be a lot of fun. Hiskinen's kind of been putting Dallas on his shoulders the last couple of games. He absolutely he has. them with 13 points as well. He is exceptional. He is an exceptional hockey player. And that's what they need. They, they kind of need that one or two guys to really be the backbone of the team, be the point scorer, get all the goals, get all the assists, and kind of drive the team to where they need to be. Right. In the, in the ideal word, world, that's Sagan and Ben and Perry, but it's really been Heiskanen, who's a 20, 20 21-year-old defenseman who, who's been driving that team uh, through the bubble so far. They are up one game, headed into game two of round two. The winner of that's going to play Vancouver against Vegas. Um, Vegas gets the number one seed through the round robin. Lots of drama going on in the net in Vegas. We'll get, yeah. on, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, what's going on there? We'll get to that in a second after we talk about Vancouver, who upset St. Louis. St. Louis did not look good in these playoffs. I don't know how many St. Louis games you caught, but they went 0 for 4, 0 for 3, excuse me, in the round robin and then lost to Vancouver in 6. They did not look that great. Vancouver moves on. They play Vegas. Vancouver's a really solid team. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat Vegas. I would pick Vegas, but Vancouver has been a lot of fun to watch, and they're a team who next season uh, is going to be a team to watch in the Pacific Division. A hundred percent. But so, like, I love Vegas. They have exceeded all the expectations since becoming a team. So, watching this journey that they've been on has been awesome. And every game, I feel like every game I watch is always so interesting. There's always something going on. It's always either a close game. It's an intense and shippy game. Washington play is kind of like one of my favorite things, like one of my favorite teams to watch in hockey just because of how authentic it is and how much the fans care, even though you can't see them in the arena. But right. like even on Twitter, like the Golden Knights Twitter is awesome. So, those fans are really passionate. Even when you can see them in the arena, they are very passionate. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk about the goalie situation in Vegas because um, it's weird is one way to put it. Mm-hmm. So they have two goalies on their roster in the bubble. They have Marc-Andre Fleury, both who obviously won, won the Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh. He was their first goalie, brought them to the Cup in 2017. And then they have um, former, you know, Sabre and Islander and Blackhawk, Robin Leonard, who they acquired at the, at the deadline to help them kind of put together a two-goalie system um, because they didn't, they didn't love how Malcolm Subban was playing. So they traded for Robin Leonard. Great. The season ends. They go into the bubble. And Robin Leonard has been carrying the team. He's been playing most of the games, if not all the games, um, through the bubble. Marc-Andre Fleury's agent, agent put yeah. out a tweet basically saying that Marc-Andre Fleury's going to leave the Golden Knights if he doesn't play in the next game, whatever, whatever the next game is. If he doesn't play, he's out. And Marc-Andre Richard Fleury Black. comes out and he says, whoa, I did not say that. Like, that's just not something that I would have said. Like, that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen because you have – I understand from the agent's perspective he wants his client to get more playing time. I get it. With he's 35, how, how, long, how much longer is he going to be playing? But Right. right. I, I fully understand, but it's just like, what are you doing? You can't put that out. <laughs> what are you doing? Not, not in the middle of a cup run. No. Especially, especially after – your last cup, like especially after what happened last season, you don't like you don't want anything to get in the way of you guys holding the Stanley Cup. Exactly, exactly. So the uh, Vegas, let me just pull this up for a second. All right, so the Vegas goalies. So you have Robin Leonard's played six games; he's won five of them, and Mark Andre Fleury has played two, and he's two and zero. Oh. 
So the teams are the team is seven and one. Leonard's five and one, and Flurry is two and zero. Oh. Um, you know, so you look at some of the stats. The goals against average. Leonard's two point four four. Flurry Flurry's two point five. Leonard's at a nine oh four save percentage, and Flurry's at eight eight six. So it's not drastically different, but you got to trust the coach's judgment, and he's rolling with Robin Leonard and how good he was last year on the Islanders, how good he's been in, you know, five and one in the playoffs this year. You can't doubt. He was also pretty good in the Blackhawks before the trade deadline. You can't doubt that. Why fix, why fix something that is clearly working for you? Exactly. And I don't, I'm not blaming, um, what's his name? Mark Andre Fleury at all. It's not his fault. No, I mean, with one of the most asinine tweets I've ever seen in my life. The best part is that Fleury then takes out his phone and texts his agent like, dude, what like delete the tweet and the tweet is gone like that so weird stuff happening in the net with vegas if i mean if mark andre Fleury, if mark andre Fleury starts uh tonight for vegas there's going to be i'm going to have a couple questions about why he's starting because not that he's not a good goalie not that he's not a borderline hall of famer if not he's in the hall of fame but uh, i do expect leonard to start tonight but i i did i did see something today i forget who it was saying that flurry in in the golden knights talked and they they came to an agreement that it's not going to get in the way of their Stanley Cup run. So, I don't know. He might be seeing he might be seeing the net tonight. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I mean, whichever goalie it is, Vegas has the upper hand on Vancouver just in general talent. But Vancouver, Pedersen and Besser have been great. Quinn Hughes has been great. Markstrom was fantastic in Game Six against St. Louis. Absolutely fantastic. So, that'll be a really interesting uh, series to watch. Where on paper, Vancouver is a little bit overmatched, but they are hot. They can come in and, and take down Vegas, but we'll see. So a lot end. of good stuff. We'll, we'll be back next week with updates on the second round and all the stuff that's going on um, in the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, until then, for Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy, and we'll see you next week.